it's interesting this morning, like, I just feel like we're all excited. <laughs> it's like a comedian standing up before a crowd that he knows they're not going to laugh this morning. <laughs> uh, thank you for your smiles. So we're going to get into something that I feel is really important. If I could have a treaties or a treaties or a, some, I don't know what to call it, you know, but if I could have a statement for my life and you know, a hill that I'm willing to die on this morning is going to be that hill. That I will not compromise this message this morning. And you'll see why, and I think you'll be encouraged. Don't think all of a sudden, oh well, he's coming for our heads. No, it has nothing to do with it. But this is where the crux of Christianity lies its foundation on. And you're like, well, this should be exciting. Yeah, it will be exciting, so I hope you're ready. But we're going to start off first, we're going to start off reading, and then I'm going to pray. And then, of course, I'll tell the points and, and then we'll, we'll get into to the Scripture. It starts in Mark 6, chapter 30. Or, yeah, that was good. That was good. Chapter 30. Mark 6, chapter 6, verse 30. And we're going to read through four, uh, 44. The apostles gathered together with Jesus... And they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in a boat to a secluded place by themselves. The people saw them going, and they recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy them something, themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? Which would be 200 days of wages. And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go look. look." And when they found out, they said, We have five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties, and he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves, and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them, and he divided up the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of the broken pieces, also of the fish. They were five thousand men. And other scripture says, and that doesn't include the wives and the children, who ate the loaves. Huge miracle this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for already the time of worship that we've had together. Lord, I thank you in the midst of us glorifying your name that you speak to us. And Lord, you either speak through vision or through words or however each one of us is able to hear you, you speak. And Lord, I thank you that you look on us as sheep without a shepherd. And Lord, when you, had, you saw the people, you had compassion on them because of this. And you came to do something and to show us something that maybe we just forget about. But Lord, you are the true shepherd. You are the good shepherd. And there's no one like you. So today, Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace and the mercy no matter how we feel. 
or what we're thinking to allow you to shepherd us this morning. And Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand what you're speaking so that we may turn our faces and turn our lives back to you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This morning I want to hit on three points. The first is he felt compassion for them. And the second is Jesus wants to be our shepherd. And the third is no need is too small. And I really want to hang the whole sermon not on the five loaves, the two fishes, or the lad that brought them, or even Philip and Peter, and I'll explain that in the third point. Of it's Philip that he asks, and Peter is the one that responds to the question. But if I was with you today, and some of you know that you, you have a hard time seeing print, and you're not really able to, to see it, and so I've, got, I've transitioned into transition lenses where I'm up and down trying to see, and I transition quite well. And I'm looking at the scripture, and if I had a big old, I'm gonna, I, I, I went fishing yesterday, so I'm going to talk arcans into you this morning. Like, it's just part of the, the fishing, I guess. But I, I, if I was to have a big old microscope or, or a magnifying glass, I would point it to, to verse 34. And it kind of caught me off a guard. It caught me off in surprise this week. But when Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion on them, for them, because why? They were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. Well, what are these many things that he taught them? He taught them the kingdom of God. The good news. And so I was thinking about this and I'm like, oh Lord, do not let me go on as a minister to perform or to do whatever it is, but Lord, let me sit at your feet as a sheep, as a little lamb who needs his shepherd. And that is our prayer today. That we would recognize who Jesus truly is. You see, what are your expectations of a shepherd this morning? Believe it or not, I am called to be the lead shepherd of this church. And the awesome part is you have all these expectations of what it is to be under a pastor. Don't you? Pastor should do this. Pastor should do that. Oh, he's not like that. He's like, and I'm not here complaining. That's not what this, this isn't holding my treaties and saying this is what this is about. No, we all have expectations. And we desire those expectations to get met. So listen to this, like, just real quickly, and I wasn't going to preach on this, and this is where I get in trouble, is they, they, I hate to burst your bubble, but you might try to hop to another church to have that pastor meet your expectation, and he won't. Now, please hear me this, that does not give an excuse for bad pastoring. Okay? Because it's like, I've told you this before, uh, is that I've told my kids, is that you have a better dad, you have a better father, and he is in heaven than I am. You look to him. But that doesn't give me excuse to be a bad, absentee dad. Okay, so I'm not saying anything here this morning, but I want us to, to look at our true shepherd and where all of our needs are met. Because I'm telling you this morning, you could go home on this one, is that Jesus meets all your needs. And if He doesn't meet all your needs, no one else will. I remember walking into my pastors. I've had good pastors. I've had great pastors. Pastors that have been at their church for 10 years of decades, not short periods of time. I've been at places that, man, they know how to preach the word and they know how to love, they know how to do certain things, but they, they've also failed miserably. But it still didn't keep me from letting them be my pastor. 
I remember walking into my pastor's office, and, and let me say this, and he's going to be on point number three, is my best pastor isn't a pastor at all, which is insane. And I'll, tell, I'll introduce you to him in chapter three. It's, not, it's Jesus, but it's, it's somebody in flesh. Okay, so don't think I'm going to come to this punchline. It's Jesus, because uh, it is Jesus. But you get where I'm coming from. I went into my pastor's office, getting ready to embark in discipleship training. It always felt, since I've been saved, that I want to get away, I want to be trained, and, and I thought it was an impossibility for me because of where I was at in life. But God began to churn in my life saying, I'm going to call you to discipleship. I'm going to call you to the school. And, and lo and behold, I didn't really know what to do. I wasn't like other young adults. My mom and dad, their lives were tore up. And I found myself alone at 24, a, a fairly very new Christian somewhat. And I remember going into my pastor's office, and it's, it's Dr. Curtis, and, 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 uh, and I said, Pastor, like, you got to tell me what I need to do for my future. I am so confused right now. I don't know what to do. I feel this is happening. But what do I do, Pastor? I want an answer from you. And you know what he told me? Nothing. He told me nothing. I walk away from that conversation saying, Lord, in my heart, it's like I went to hear from this man and I heard nothing. But you know what? On this side of it, that pastor was a lot wiser than I would have ever imagined. He did not need to tell me my future. Now, just so you don't like it, what is that pastor's problem? No, we did sit down later and he blessed me as I went. And he did all kinds of things for me that were unimaginable, but I didn't even ask him to do. Gave me wise counsel. And even backed it up with finances to send me into the mission field. So it wasn't like he was an absentee pastor, but he knew something that I didn't at the time, is that God is directing us. He is leading us. Pastors are here to shepherd and help and do things, but I think we've messed it up a bit. And So I want you to think about it this morning just for a moment. Is that the disciples, the twelve, had just been sent out. And we kind of got a big story about John the Baptist, which was a really fun thing to look at. At least it was for me. They come back and they begin to share with Jesus all that they had done, and he realized that they hadn't been probably sleeping that much. They hadn't been really, they had no time to eat. And so he says, let's go away to a secluded place. And so they get in a boat and they go to a desolate place. And we see that we're not going to spend much time here. To rest for a while. And so they did. And I want you to know this. And I spoke on this about suffering a while ago. Is Sometimes God calls some of us to a place of suffering because we will not rest. I'm not saying that God causes the suffering. But it's because we are not smart enough to sit down and rest. Because we act as if all things depend on us. So think about it, and, and then I'm going to kind of give you an antithesis of this. The opposite happens here. And, and if I was Jesus' disciple at this moment, I'd, yeah, Lord, let's go. I need some rest. And I want you to know sometimes secluded places can be moments of rest even if it is desolate, even if it is the wilderness. Have you ever been in the wilderness? And you want to clamor and get out of the wilderness? When sometimes the wilderness is the only place that we can truly find true rest. 
and realizing that Jesus is in all, all in all. But here's what happens, is that all of a sudden, all these people, they begin, they see the disciples, they see Jesus, they recognize Him in verse 33, and what do they do? They run on foot from all the cities, and they go there ahead of them. So they are there when they come to this supposedly desolate place. And what does Jesus do? Something that this pastor doesn't do. He has compassion. And I'm like, I, I, I've learned rest over the years. And I like rest. So if you come at my door at three in the morning, no compassion. No, I'm joking. Actually, if you're there at three in the morning, you, you need compassion. Something's going on. But he looks at the crowd in verse 34. And he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And this word compassion here, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't always understand it. And I I was quite concerned when I took the pastorate here. And I'll I'll say that why in just a minute. And I'm like, well, really, should I share it, Lord? And and I think so. But Jesus had compassion on Well, what does this mean? It means expressing from a deep compassion. This verb is similar to what is expressed in modern language as a feeling in one's gut or heart of deep empathy for another person. So when Jesus saw these people... It was like as if something inside of him, not just a gut feeling, but a gut reaction of empathy, of sorry for these people. I don't think it was just a felt sorry. It was a deep wanting to to meet them where they were at, a compassion for them as he saw them coming. And he knew he had to do something about it because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And I remember first taking this position. And Pastor Keith hasn't been with us for a while. And, and he had left his church not too far before that. And his heart was rendered because of all this angst of these people that he had poured himself into to get it all stripped away. And then you're dealing with all these people that you love being scattered. And I, then I begin to look at the Paul's letters, the epistles, and be thinking, man, Paul had this huge heart for the people. Lord, my heart isn't there. I'm actually worried about myself in this position. Believe it or not, I didn't walk in day one just saying, man, I love these people. Elders may talk to me later. It's okay. But I begin to wonder, like, Lord, can I ever have a heart like that for people? And I already had somewhat of a heart where I wouldn't be here today. But I knew it would come. I knew it would come. But you see, even my greatest passion for each and every one of you and I do care it doesn't compare to how Jesus cares you see when he was looking out he saw something these are the very people that he came to save to set free In Ezekiel 34, 16, and we're going to turn there in just a minute, so if you want to go there, you can, but I'm going to do it really quick. It's part A of 16, verse 16. I will seek the lost. Bring back the scattered. Bind up the broken. And strengthen the sick. This is what the Messiah was to do, and this was who He was to be. So when he looked out at the crowds, what did he see? 
What did he see? Lost sheep. He saw broken people. He saw scattered people. And he saw sick people. What do you see? What do you see? We were already quiet, so we might as well stay quiet. You thought about it? See, I think what happens is we forget that we were the sick. We were the lost. We were the scattered. We were the broken. What we see now is, can I can be so bold as, We see people that come through the church that should have all their lives together. We see now through the lens of why isn't brother so-and-so like this or sister so-and-so like that. Forgetting that we're all broken. We're all lost. We're all sick. You see, there's something unique about the Creator. Did you you get that? There's something unique about the Creator. Psalm 33, 13, 15 says this, The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from his dwelling place. He looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. So you see, when God is dealing with his people and his creation, he knows what he's dealing with, doesn't he? If you could go to Psalm 39 with me, I wish we could just read it all, but we don't have time this morning. Psalm 139, verse 15. And Again, on your own time, if you feel of no self-worth, man, you need to memorize all of Psalm 139. it goes on to say my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth your eyes have seen my unformed substance and in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them how precious are your thoughts to me O God how vast is the sum of them So I want you to think this morning just for a moment and I ask you this question. Are you a person in the large crowd who is in need of compassion? And again, I'll reiterate it. When Jesus looked up, He saw the broken, the scattered, and poor, and the sick. Rather physical or spiritual, it's the same. And there's a song that I remember we were teaching on a Wednesday night about um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. And there's a great book that's been written about it. And and I remember Brother Greg saying this, and it's been in my head ever since. And it's true: is my fa- It's the song "Run to the Father." My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. 
So I run to the Father again and again. How many of you feel that way this morning, that your heart needs a surgeon, but your soul needs a friend? You see, I thought about this somewhat. As we all know the story of the religious one, the Pharisee, and and the sinner, the tax collector in Luke 18. You see, the, the, the religious person stands up in the sanctuary, and let's just call it, he would come up here, begin praying in the prayer group, and he would say, Lord, I thank you that I tithe. Lord, I thank you that I come on Wednesday nights. I don't know why they got rid of Sunday nights, but I, that woe is them. <laughs> but thank you that I attend Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, and any time the church is open. But thank you that I'm not like so-and-so. So let me ask you, which side of the boat are you on? Which side of the altar are you on this morning? Because what did the tax collector do and stand before a holy God? Basically, in my own language, I'm going to say it this, woe is me. I do nothing that deserves to be in your presence this morning. And what does Jesus say? Who walks away justified? The sinner. You see, and I think about this this morning also, there's a lot of things is like, the more I get in trouble with Jesus, I don't understand it. I'll just be real open because I try to be authentic with you guys. The more I make mistakes, the more I just feel His gentleness wrapping His arms around me. Why? It's because I'm special just like everyone else. I wonder why sometimes. And I'll be honest with you, I used to be at a place like if you sinned and you made a mistake, I was going to make you pay for that sin and mistake. And I still find myself falling back into that area, but but I found so much freedom in saying, you know what, it's done with. And you see, why does Jesus deal with us this morning? There's somebody here I really feel that needs to hear this this morning because you don't feel worthy. You have done terrible things. Just admit it. But according to Scripture, and we already did this on Good Friday, is He took upon Himself my punishment. It doesn't mean there aren't consequences to our actions. That's not what I'm saying. But there is a forgiveness. Why? Because all of everything that I deserve for every sin that I have committed was laid upon His back. But how do we act? We don't want to let go, do we? When we've been sinned against... We don't want to let go. But yet Jesus says, if you don't let it go, let it go. See, I'm not a singer. I would just burst out into that. If you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So the key here is humility, isn't it? Is the saying, I need a Savior. I need a shepherd. You see, and I want, this is where I I lay it all on the line. 
And I am called to pastor. It is a calling that I have on my life. But I would lay it all down for you to know Jesus as your pastor. Now, I have to say this because there's some people that have gotten the attitude that there's no need for pastors. And I say that is a false narrative and it is not scriptural. I've seen many churches who thought they could do it and it doesn't work. If you have a bunch of visionaries without a pastor, you're, you're in trouble. It will only go so far and only be so healthy. I'm just trying to make sure I keep my pay here. but that's the problem we've put pastoring at a position and although it is a position and calling and it's a role within the church we act as if that's just the role we pay the pastor to do pastoral work And I want you to know that Jesus wants to be our shepherd. And, and let's go to Ezekiel 34. We're going to read a few scriptures because I think it will really encourage your soul this morning. And you're like, well, that were, that, but we should be talking about this huge miracle. Yes, it, it is a huge miracle. But I don't think the miracle is the point. Yet Jesus is meeting a very real need. And just so you know, is what did they want to do with Jesus after the need? They wanted to go and make him king, and he knew better. He knew it was in the hearts of man. He wasn't going to give his life over to man. He was going to give his life over to God's purposes. But in Ezekiel 34 is one of the greatest chapters. And I was sharing this with uh, the worship team and the sound team before we, we started praying for the service this morning as I shared this with pastors. And, and this is really convicting scripture to pastors because it talks about how bad shepherds are. And I remember sharing this with a group of pastors here. It wasn't a large group in this area. And I remember sharing, but praise be to God that me and you have a real shepherd. And I'm going to point that out to you this morning because verse 6 says, My flock wandered through all the mountains, right? Uh, lack of leadership. And on every high hill, my flock was scattered over all the surface of the earth. And there was no one to search or seek for them. That was the state of Israel. And he goes on and he's just saying, I mean, it's really good and read through it and I think it is a, a lesson for today's pastors. So don't get me wrong. But then you skip down to verse 11 and this is the good news. For thus says the Lord, behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I'll just say this, I myself will seek them out. As a shepherd cares for his herd in the day when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will care for my sheep and will deliver them from all the places to which they were scattered on a cloudy and gloomy day. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and bring them to their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture. And their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lay down on good grazing ground and feed in, the ri in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will flee feed my flock. I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the scattered, bind up the broken, and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy, and I will feed them with judgment. Now I have to say this, is you do need people to direct the flock. I was reading a very interesting uh, uh, subject in a great book on shepherding, and, and we've passed it out here before. 
But he talks about there are times when the fat sheep is not the mama sheep. It's just the tough sheep. They go around and they butt people. And they take the good ground. And, and it was amazing. He was talking about these sheep. And sometimes the shepherd has to go and hit the fat sheep and say, get away. You're no longer in charge. And then it allows the sheep that are less fat to be able to eat on the green grass. And so there are times where the shepherd has to come and say, come on, stop, stop. You're acting out. Let others come and sit at the table. And I thought that was really interesting and a fun fact. So there are times you and me as sheep, we need to be corrected in our actions and our attitudes. And I'm telling you, the good shepherd does a really good job at doing this. So, do you believe that Jesus wants to shepherd you? Do you believe in John 10 where he says, I'm going to go before you and I'm going to let you find pasture and I'm going to let you eat and drink? You see, this is where I want to come to the miracle and I think the miracle is just lining up with Ezekiel 34 personally. Because Jesus says this, and this is point three, is no need is too small. And I want us to kind of understand this this morning, is that no need is too small. So Jesus begins to teach them in verse 34. But then it goes on and the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, this is not good. They came without food and we're in a desolate place. Send them away so that they can get some food. And it's interesting because this is going to be a key point this morning for every single one of us is Jesus says, okay, you give them something to eat. And he's talking to Philip here, as we see in the other text. This is the only miracle that is in all four Gospels, by the way. The only miracle that is in all four Gospels. And he sends, uh, he's, he's talking to Philip. He already knows what he's going to do, right? This is Jesus. This is God in, in, in flesh. He knows what he's doing. And Philip says, wait, wait, there's no way, Lord. How can we spend all of our money, 200 days, 200, uh, 200 days worth of, of money? It's impossible. And that maybe will feed these people. And he says, well, how many loaves do we have? How many fish do we have? And I can imagine the, the disciples looking at him and saying, what do you mean? How many loaves and how many fishes? And here comes Peter. Oh, there's this little boy. He's got five loaves and two fishes. And then what does he do? He goes, okay. He commanded them all in verse 39, and we're going to point to something in just a minute, but not yet, so don't put that scripture there quite yet, Lee, because I want to show you something that I feel is so cool. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. I heard a pastor preach this sermon a couple weeks ago and he does a lot better job than I do. And he talked about this being a fulfillment of prophecy where there's green grass in a desolate place. And he points back to Scripture and I thought, man, I didn't have time this morning to share it, but what an amazement. Green grass in a desolate, a desolate place? What is that about? Well, Jesus is the one that will cause the desolate places to bloom again. So he causes them to lie down, and this word sit down is a word of lying down, is a word that says to recline. What does this remind you of? The greatest funeral scripture ever. Please give me a break. It is not a funeral scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside waters of rest. He restores my soul and leads me in paths of righteousness. What? Not for my namesake, for his namesake. You see, there's something greater and bigger going on here. Is that Jesus, the Messiah, the King of Kings, which is why we're doing Mark, is that he is the Lord of all, saying, I am also going to be the one shepherd. And so he has them sit down there. And then I always baffle and just kind of, just, just deal with me just for a moment. Is he leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Oh, and then, oh, when you lead me through uh, the shadows of the valley of death. Yeah, thank you. Will you say that louder? You will be with me. I'm like, wait, you just restored my soul. You just took me by waters of rest and grain pastures, and here I am going through the shadow of death. Well, shadow of death, same. I think there, okay, guys, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having fun, guys. The valley of the shadow of death. I always kind of, like, Lord, you're here to restore my soul. But the point is that He is the shepherd through the deepest and darkest parts of our lives. And His rod and His staff, they bring us comfort. Sometimes we do need to be knocked upside the head just to know that Jesus is there. Have you ever been there? I'm like, Lord, just knock me upside the head because I want to know you're in this craziness. And then that's when his gentle hands come around me and say, son, I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'm with you till the end of this age, always. So let's go to Mark 6.39 real quickly. I want you to look at this scripture in a whole different way. And he commanded them. He makes me. He makes me. To sit down. To lie down. You see where I'm going with this? by groups on the green grass, in green pastures. Jesus is fulfilling Psalm 23 right before all of our eyes, and I don't even think they understood. Actually, they didn't because, and we're going to share this next week, they got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and the utter astonishment, and they had not gained any insight from the incidents of the loaves. They didn't know what was going on. So can you imagine that we're going through life right now and we're not even recognizing what is going on all around us? But one day we will know. So I want to share this with you this morning is that Jesus wants to be your shepherd and I promise you the good, good shepherd will supply all your needs. Jesus is the best pastor you'll ever have. Do you trust him? Okay. But I want to give you this promise. In the light of Ezekiel 34 about all the bad pastoring that was going on in that day. And even in our day today. Except from Cornerstone. And we all know that. Jeremiah 23, 4 says this, I will also raise up shepherds over them and they will tend them and they will not be afraid any longer nor be terrified nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Here's what it says, I will raise up shepherds over them. So my question for you this morning, is the pastoring of believers only for the paid clergy? Absolutely not. 
So I want to ask you this morning, and, and I said it earlier, is my best pastor is no pastor at all. He's walked with me through life. He's walked me to the cross over and over and over again. And He's not paid to do it. Isn't that amazing? This is why I put my hat on this and this is a hill I will die on. Is although you need to pay your pastor And you need a pastor. We would be fools to say we don't. But we cannot get to the place and complacency and apathy that the pastor does everything. And I have to say this this morning. I appreciate Cornerstone Church. Because I lack a lot of things. But when I look around at you and I see you ministering to one another, I see a lot of pastoring going on. And do not get me wrong, I wish you would tell me that you are doing this. That way I can kind of just take some things off my plate because I care about every soul that considers this place home. But I just want to say thank you for being pastors to one another. You see, and may I say this very clearly, and and I'll say this, is like, I like big church. I really do. And I'll tell you why I like big church. There's a lot of toys to be played in a big church. And it's fun. All of everything goes to the big church. Except one key element. Unless they do small groups well, and there are big churches that do small groups very well, is the pastoring does not take place as it should. And so what we have, it's both a blessing and a cursing, is the blessing is a small church, we get to know each other. Discipleship takes place. We get to see everything. The cursedness is we get to see everything. Isn't it true? So here's what I want to do. I want to call us to this place of both saying, Jesus, you are the true good shepherd. Let me find contentment in you. And then, Lord, may you help our pastor and our elders be true shepherds. But, Lord, when I'm complaining about the lack, allow me to minister. So we can sit there, I'll have the worship team come this morning and these days I've been a better writer of my prayers than a speaker of my prayers. So what I'm going to do this morning is I was meditating on this scripture and just thinking about Jesus is my shepherd. The prayer came to my heart and so I want us to pray this together this morning. And I would just like you to listen. And if you find so much to agree, that you would agree. So let's just, we'll do it in silence and then then we'll worship. If we could bow our heads together. Lord, you are the one who has fashioned our hearts. And you truly understand us. You looked for us and you found us by your Son. Jesus, you looked out and you saw the multitude coming. At that moment, you felt compassion for the scattered, the broken, and the sick. We are the ones on that day trying to get a glimpse and an audience with you. You saw that we were without a shepherd. You began to teach on that day about your kingdom. Lord, will you teach us?
May we not realize our need for, may we realize our need for a Savior. Some of us may not even realize how lost we truly are, Lord. And Lord, I must ask for our sakes, will you be our shepherd? Let us come to a place of knowing and able to truly say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for, my, for His name's sake. Not for mine, Lord, but for Your name's sake. Jesus, you so wanted to restore them and give them rest. You said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Lord, we ask for true rest today. In you, Lord, we finally find a true resting place. Let no demon, let no force, let not man or nature keep us from our true shepherd. Lord, would you be our pastor? Will you empower me and all of us to have a heart of a shepherd? Our hearts reflecting our true and good shepherd. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So as we end today in worship, as we always do, I want to call you to a place of giving and not always taking. And if you're like, I have nothing to give, I want to encourage you to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's where we give from that very position is from His feet. That is where we can truly give. Everywhere else, it doesn't so much matter. We need to sit at His feet and we need to know that He's leading us.